0: Hey, Peter. Yo. Do you know where we are if I play you this? Mm.
1: It's close by. Actually, I know exactly where that is. Plug Nickel. Chicago, Illinois. Chi-town. Chitown. Indy City. Miles Davis. Quintet.
0: And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast.
1: Music, advice, inspiration,
0: and definitely dope tracks today. I can already tell. I know. It's going to be a really dope track uh, Wednesday. I guess this would be Wednesday. Dope track Wednesday. (laughs) Dope track Wednesday. (laughs) No, uh, we got a speak pipe. Do you know what a speak pipe is, Pete? I do know. What is it? It is a
1: mechanism whereby our dear dear listeners, through technological wonders provided by the speak pipe company, can leave a veritable... Voice message, voice memo. Yeah, old school. Remember the uh, answering machines? Did you ever have one of those? Yeah, two cassettes. Yeah, would that Be something you might be interested. Not in? Not anymore. <laughs> you no, know, it wouldn't, because they had always broke and they were annoying. But they had. Um, we fun fact: we actually still have an answering machine in our house. No, you don't. Yeah. We, like have, a... we have a landline. Oh, no tapes though. Digital. It's all digital. Do you have the box, the caller ID
0: box? Remember those?
1: No, come on, man. We're not <laughs> okay. dinosaurs, man. We're we're brontosauruses, but we're not
0: ter- pterodactyls. So. If, you, they, they want to leave a question. I'm sorry. So if you answering. would like to leave us a voice message. I'm going to
1: fix that for you right now. That's yes. right, Harry.
0: So you can go to you'll hear. It. Please
1: leave a voicemail so you can stop pressing those buttons.
0: Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. You can go to you'll hear.com and just leave us a, a voicemail right there. And and ask us your question like Nico has. Nico's been a long time listener. Well, and just
1: to, just to clarify, you said leave us a message. That's what the speak pipe is. Yeah. It's just leaving us a voice message. And some folks that are a little bit less than confident, which I would certainly put myself in this category, at times feel like oh i can't do that cuz i'm going to leave a message and sound stupid and peter and adam
0: are going to put us on put me on the podcast you can't sound any more stupid than we already sound so there's that and then there's
1: also you can audition like you can leave the message and then play it back with our speak our advanced speak pipe system oh boy speak pipe speak pipe speak pipe it's like you're the you're the
0: developer of this or something <laughs> yes the speak pipe yeah, corporation you, no, you, out get of to, you get to choose silicon which, valley oh yeah you, you you don't have to submit it you can do it over so so here is nico's speak pipe you know what is her try that again nico please let's go here we go nico come on buddy Here, like I said, Peter.
2: <laughs> I'll blend and tell you what it
1: is later. Apparently so.
0: <laughs> <Here's Nico's laughs> I love that.
1: That's a killer high. Hey,
0: Adam. Hey, Peter. Uh, this is Nico from Sacramento. Um, big fan of the show. I've learned a lot. I learned a lot from the courses. I am curious about Miles Davis at the Plugged Nickel. I'm like deep listening. Love it. And one thing that from this group that I'm having trouble grasping is how they hang on to the form. There are songs that we know, like Autumn Leaves, that they move around a lot. And I'm struggling to kind of hear how they keep the form, though I know they do. But maybe some musical analysis on one of those tunes. um, that, That would be great to kind of just learn a bit, you know, what are these masters doing to grasp to the form? But, you know, not playing what's expected, you know obviously not playing roots sometimes and all of that, but you know, what is Herbie doing? What's going on? All right. Cheers to you all. Thank you. Nico. I love this question. First of all, cause we get to listen to miles Davis live at the plug nickel. Second of all, Peter is bringing up a book here that we have from our friend of the show. The great Ron Carter. Who will be on the pod very soon. He will like be on this show next week. Show next week yeah. uh, stay so tuned for that. We but could actually Peter, ask him this very question. Do you think... I, Peter's looking now because Ron Ron Carter has a book of all of his different versions of Autumn Leaves from the Miles Davis... I mean, just five different versions. There's several Yes, from Miles' band that they played Autumn Leaves. I think one of them is from the Plug yes, Nickel. Yes, I, I thought so, and it is, in fact, from... But there's,
1: you know... There's, There's a b- couple different nights. Yeah. So this options. is from the 23rd, December right. 23rd,
0: 1965. I think this is it. I th- okay. I cool. Think that, well, let's see. You, you'll follow along and see if. And but we can certainly talk about Ron's bass lines. We could also, though, talk about uh, what Herbie plays and what Tony plays and what Miles plays. Also, that's right. all very important. But and uh, Nico, it's, a, it's a great question because what the band at this point was doing, I think, was actually playing with our expectations of how to mark the form. Yeah, Were at that time
1: And I think too I mean the answer To part of your question I would say um, You know How are they able To hold on to the form Um, This was not Their first rodeo When they were At the plug nickel You know what I mean Like they had played These tunes a lot And actually in our First interview Um which I uh, believe is still on the YouTube channel. Check that out uh, from about four or five months ago. With Ron me, Carter. With, with Ron Carter. We talked about this some. Yep. Um, and the fact that there was this core repertoire, which is you know a big part of the Plug Nickel um, gig and all their gigs there. Um, they had new tunes uh, that they were writing and wrote And that were on like The Sorcerer and Riot and all those tunes But they were still playing for years I mean from like 1962, 60, well from before that with Miles But with this particular quintet First with George Coleman and then a little bit of Sam Rivers and Wayne Shorter um, These tunes many, many times Autumn Leaves, Stella by Starlight, yeah. All of You um, um, francing, you know, all these different things.
0: So, like as
1: Nefertiti was happening, they would be playing right. this kind of stuff. Because remember how he said that, I believe in that interview, he told us that, um, you know, they recorded those tunes and then didn't play them for a long time. Yeah. They kept great. going back to, the, you know, and they didn't rehearse a lot because yeah. miles was just like, and they didn't even really sound check. They just come out and start. Playing. Yeah. They
0: get off the plane, they get on a bus, they go to the concert and miles would just start with autumn leaves. Much like he did here And
1: because they all lived separately in New York with their own families and separate apartments. Remember he said that as well. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of interaction beyond this. So I think that the short answer is that, there was a trust there. I mean, first of all, very high level of musicianship across the board, of course. Totally. Very refined and nuanced understanding of form, all the way to in, including which it doesn't always the drummer. I mean, it does with all great drummers, of course, but Tony Williams, you know, a master of understanding form and, and composition and incredible composer himself. But there was such an understanding and a commitment on an individual level to a tune like Autumn Leaves that that gave great freedom to be able to stretch things. So in terms of understanding, and they knew the form and they knew how each other played it. And there was a trust. Now, did that mean they ever got off a little bit? They did. But were they ever... Lost several of them. I don't think so. No. Maybe somebody zoned out for a couple of seconds and was a little lost, but there was not a there was not a preponderance of members of the group lost at any time. I gotta
0: got be honest, man. I just zoned out a little bit there. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. But
1: that's why we're both. Here, <laughs> but you, you were know? there, All right? Let's... So, so that's why kind of I got a little I got a little <laughs> aggressive, and I was like, I'm gonna come more than 50. percent so,
0: <laughs> let's listen. Let's listen, and let's see what we can hear. Okay. Uh, I, I we both know this track very well but let's just with with this ear for for Nico's question about the form and yeah. how they might be marking it let's see if we can give uh, some clues <laughs> This is a great place to kind of go because Ron goes into the. Are you watching? I am it? watching it, so <laughs> I'm looking at uh, Ron Carter's chartography. Yeah, uh,
1: five reinvented transcriptions of Amelie's. It is indeed the the same version. From the 23rd of uh, uh, December 1965. Yeah, so he's it's got that transcription. Whole,
0: was that like a dotted
1: quarter note thing that was happening there as yes. well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would have thought of that as like a triplet thing. I remember when I heard that, but it's not. It's, it's definitely, they have it notated here as a dotted quarter situation. I and think so that's right. I
0: think, Nico, this one might be the first opportunity where you might be like, oh, where's the form and how do they know where that is? Let's back it up a little bit yep. and hear that section again. <laughs> Listen to Herbie
1: So, I mean, there's, you know, really what you have there is Ron laying things down. And if you see the transcription or if you kind of start to even be able to conceptualize it in your head, you don't even have to think, you don't have to read music to understand this. But if you understand that, like, Ron Carter is actually... What's holding the whole thing together? Absolutely, he is the glue there. Now that does not mean that like Herbie or Tony don't know what's going on, or or Miles. And Miles kind of like a lot of people think, oh, he wasn't sure what was happening, so he pulled back. I don't think that's the case. I agree, but I think that Ron's stability even though he's doing something that's kind of unconventional, he's not hitting you over the head with it. Like when he goes boom, doom, ding, 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 ding. And he hits that E flat major. That's the first kind of one. And a lot of lesser bass players would be like really lean into that. But Ron's phrasing it like a melody. Cause that's what it is. That line.
0: But notice, notice on the next chorus, the top of the next chorus. Yeah. I, I might not be right about this, but it sounded like he did lean into and was very clear about that B flat that when he gets to the tonic, right, after the 2-5 in that very first, it's like, I mean, he starts walking, right, yeah. for sure. But it becomes super clear. At least that's where I caught the form again very yeah. clearly. I was like, oh, there it is. Like,
1: yeah, well, and that that was that great tension and release that yep. absolutely starts walking, which is really the first time he's straight walked in this whole thing. And so it's like, you know, Ron Carter has that ability to, to kind of deconstruct uh, the form from the bottom up. But it's actually a very specific thing that he's playing. But because he's doing it so confidently, he doesn't have to, like, you know, really, you know accentuate the syncopations or anything. And he's not going to lose Tony
0: Williams. Exactly. And then Tony's like, he actually
1: resolves on like two or something that bar before, which is a very specific thing to kind of keep things a little bit off kilter and to heighten I think the actual release once it starts walking at the beginning of that next chorus. Makes it even more exciting as opposed to everyone just kind of resolving
0: together than like the expected thing. Let's listen to that transition again from that chorus to the next (laughs) chorus.
1: There. Yeah, Miles is right, you know. That sets that up, but Four
0: nine. It's all about listening to Ron. If you're listening to Ron, yeah. if you're listening to Ron, even when things get a little bit shady, which yeah. they certainly are, are, are brilliant shaders, yeah. <laughs> this whole rhythm section. If you're listening to Ron, he throws in so many curve balls followed by a fastball straight down the middle. And, and it'll set you up just to knock you down and then it'll knock you down just to build you back up. It's the great... I mean, it's what great people who are good at forms do, and there's no one better than Ron Carter. I'm so excited that we uh, talked to this guy. I know, I know,
1: and it's like you know, hearing him talk about how like every time you have four four quarter notes in a measure with a particular chord, you have, remember he said you have infinite possibilities. You start to understand. Like at first, it seems like okay, his pl- his lines are so logical. Yeah, that there's like a simplicity um, and an order that's built into it yeah. you know that's so satisfying but once you start to understand how he can like pull the rug out he still pulls the rug out even while being that solid foundation in such interesting ways and allows like Tony to dance on top of that Herbie to just jump in and out you know and miles to like lay out or to come in like right in the cut I mean it's truly like it, it's, it's like a magic carpet yeah
0: it's a magic carpet. but he'll be kind of like like you said like he'll be pull pull out the, the rug you're like not even. Was, well, it could be like, that like was,
1: harmonically. Sometimes
0: he's like straightforward, but then but harmonically he totally leaves the he'll situation. Just go, he'll give you like a, like he'll just yeah. give you like a straight up. Here's where it is. You know, yeah.
1: it's very, yeah. it's very con conversational, and and very like it's it's continual, but in such an in in like such a non automated way, like such yeah. an interesting way. Like there's such a just a very demanding and continuous logic to it. Yeah, but in so many different ways you yeah. know and and it's it's um I, I you know as i'm watching the chart go by you really focus in and like like you say it's like if you focus on ron even if you're not looking at it but if you're looking at the transcript no, if you just listen to ron yeah if you just listen like that starts to make the form make so much more sense and i think that we can learn you know and, and maybe to, to, to answer nico's question ultimately it's like how do you get to that point where you can really know forms and stuff as much of it is away from your instrument as as it is playing like there's three things i think about for really learning forms playing them like if no matter what instrument you play like just working on it on your own playing the tune a lot playing it at different temples maybe playing it in some different keys but then there's so that's like one part just practicing on your own like getting sets and reps and like really knowing what's going on making those connections between the different sections between the the chord structure all those kind of things the melody the root movement And then that's bucket one. The bucket two is like listening to recordings and really getting inside of them like this where you're concentrating, say, on the bass or really concentrating on the piano or whatever. And then the third part of it, I would say, is playing with other people. So like, that's like actually putting the application in because if you're a pianist doing a lot of solo piano, you can think that you really know a tune and know a form, but you might be messing up the form, but you can't tell. It's like if you're colorblind, you could be like, wow, I have a fantastic blue hoodie on. Well, how do you know it's blue? Because you're just looking at yourself. It looks great to me. Yeah. You know, but you have to have some kind of, some kind of reference point of playing with other people to feel like, okay, what happens when things don't happen the way that I'm planning them or expecting Or them? expecting them
0: to happen? Yeah. yeah you got to find where that, where that,
1: uh, what happens when Ron, when the bass player plays a B natural yeah. on a G minor chord, yeah, right, yeah, are yeah. you going to be
0: like, Oh no, I know where I am in the form. Are you going to be like, wait, am I a bar later? I think the biggest diff, the hardest thing for this one to grasp is what Tony's doing. Cause I want well, let's listen to just 30 more yeah. seconds. Then I want to play another version of Autumn Leaves. Yeah. That's totally different.
1: Because Tony's
0: not giving a not No, No, he's even
1: reversing the, the ride pattern. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Right, that's that. Right. So it's like, wait, did the B turnover? <laughs> you know, he was like a, you can't play. You he was be, a young dude. He was he trying,
0: was, he was trying some stuff.
1: You gotta be confident in this. then ron switches over on that
0: with miles but the thing is 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 tony Tony is not doing what is done in another very famous version of autumn leaves listen to what this drummer does this is our blakey on cannonball adderlies this is sam jones sam jones hank jones miles Uh, davis I'll just shout out to the intro, classic. Even there, Blakey yeah. is so clear. So this is an example of a drummer that is going to like mark the form, like he is a cartographer. Not a chartographer. Not a chartographer. A cartographer, (laughs) a map expert. Switch to brushes there.
1: Can we get a a record recorded with this kind of intimacy and clarity again in this day and age? Wow. Those brushes. Like Art Blakey's here.
0: Just listen to the end of every phrase or section, and, and listen to what are Blakey and Sam Jones. This is like 59. Yeah. Miles wasn't the biggest hand Yeah, this thing was
2: great. Ah, oh. switch
0: to uh, sticks there. So cleanly, Blakey's is hanging in the cut too. It's like a (laughs) pock shuffle. So again, just to juxtapose, like very. I mean, obviously Miles is playing on this. Cannonball's playing this. It's very similar. Like you said, six years apart. But it's just so clear what's happening between Sam Jones and Blakey not doing much, not like being explicit with marking the form. Yep. But just marking the big strokes so far, the choruses, when the, the saxophone solo came in, changing the stage. Let's hear if anything happens here. Nothing. Nothing <laughs> 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 from Blakey there. No, he's just like, he's no. just
1: kind of gonna. Like Solace does do do it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. tasteful. And I mean, I think, I mean, we have to, next time we talk with Mr. Carter, I'm sure Sam Jones, I mean, I can hear was a big influence uh, on him, on Ron Carter. Also a cellist uh,
0: and bassist, as was Ron Carter. Fun little fact there. Awesome. Thank you, Nico, for the question. Uh, Great stuff. Great question. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Until next
1: episode. You'll hear it.